Thread podcast where we're creating a community for cool quilting newbies and experienced quilters to unite. So pull up a seat because you can always sit with us. We're your hosts. I'm Ashlyn of Urban Doyle Studio um, and I love being this pretend radio host. <laughs> anybody can buy a microphone, anybody can have their own radio show. <laughs> Welcome, Ashlyn. I'm Lacey of Messy Quilts and I love being your co host. <laughs> Um, Hey, so we have a review that I want to read to you. Um, She says, so happy to find the grateful threads. Valuable information, tips to save money equals more quilts. In quilting, this podcast is quite an inspiration. Inspiring you to make the quilts. Yes. Um, More money equals more quilts. We got you on this episode. We do. Um, you can always share what you're listening or what you're doing while you listen. And you can tag us at the Grateful Thread Podcast on Instagram. And you can use our hashtag, hashtag you can sit with us. Yep. Um, so we, how's the merch coming, Ash? Great. Yeah. New stuff's going great. New stuff. Got the new stuff up. You guys are loving it. I hope so. Keep keep ordering them and tag us in your shirts. Yep. We love seeing you wear your shirts. Uh, the merch tab on our website. Uh, the grateful thread podcast.com and yeah we just like sending them to you it's so fun <laughs> when we get orders we like marco polo each other like, we got another one i wonder if that will ever go away i like don't think so i don't think so either we'll be equally as excited like as yeah yeah like just from uh, our first order to like our hundredth yeah so. Yeah, and it, same with the reviews and like the ratings, yeah. getting the ratings coming in. It's just thank you for the support and love. Yeah, like don't not leave a review because you think it's been said before. Yeah, literally every single one we screenshot to each other. And and we read, we really read everyone. I actually thought the other day that I'm a little bit sad that I can't post all of them mm-hmm. because we see all of them and we see your love and we see you we see you experienced quilters yeah. you have a place with us maybe if you guys are awesome and leave more we'll start doing two reviews oh that'd two be cool yeah shout out so right. thank you threadhead community okay so let's dive into it for this episode we're talking about monetizing your hobbies this was requested a couple of times mm-hmm. um and i'm glad we're kind of not that we're finally getting to it because we're on episode <laughs> this is 11 so <laughs> 10? I don't even know. I don't know. Where are we this at? Is 10. Maybe yeah. I don't know. <laughs> We're on 10. <laughs> That's we my record job. out of order sometimes if you haven't noticed. <laughs> That's my job to keep you on track of where we're at. We're on episode 10. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think like we've had it on our list for like since the beginning almost. And so mm-hmm. when we put it out feelers a couple weeks ago and got that feedback, I was excited because this is a big topic, and I think not just for quilters, but crafters across the board, woodworkers, mm-hmm. pottery, potists, the crafts, ceramicists, <laughs> um, painters, you know. The crafts, um, the arts. Know, uh-huh. These are expensive. So we'll be kind of speaking to both sides of the argument, and we hope to kind of leave you with some good alternatives or suggestions and help you navigate that if you've mm-hmm. been thinking about it and it's been kind of like a like a yellow light for you for a while (laughs) yes and and i will say like before we even get into this that um i've quilted longer than you have but i but you have sold more things longer than i have um because your entrepreneur brain this is your realm and 
for me, it was never a thought because I never thought I was good enough. Like, why would anybody want to buy anything? Yeah. That seems really silly. And I'm just a money-making... <laughs> Mm, I was going to say a different word, um, <laughs> but you, you're just more clear on how it works. And, and I think too, I'm excited to talk about all of this because there are so many avenues and yeah. you have to pick what works for you and it's not going to look like the person next to you. Right. I would almost say that like the business is my hobby. Um, like interesting having businesses has been a hobby of mine over the years. And like, mm-hmm. as soon as I recognized that about a year ago, I was like, Oh, green light I with those like healthy boundaries of like pursuing different avenues in business like that's that's what you need to avoid burnout and that's what you need to still be able to do the things that you love and make money Mm -hmm. um and I know not everybody loves having businesses but that's something that just like really gets me going I love reading the books I love learning about the process and I love like strategizing, (laughs) which I think is interesting because when we started this podcast, that's where you have that drive at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't like that. I don't know where to start. I don't know. I don't know if I can even do it, but longevity, you get me up and going, I'll keep you going. I I inherited this from my dad. Um, yeah. One of those books that we've read that are business books. I can't even like, I have read so many that I cannot even tell you the title of what this is, but they just classify all of the different like entrepreneurial spirits basically. Mm -hmm. And like mine is like the visionary, like I love the planning and the like seeing what this will look like. And I love making all the steps to get there. And then like, once I get there, I'm bored. <laughs> Which you said last, I just said last that, month. Yeah. You're like, I, if you, if I didn't have you, I think I would have been at episode seven and been like, cool, I did it. That was part of my realization last year. I was like, if I'm going to do this podcast, I need to set myself up for success. I need somebody that's going to keep me accountable <laughs> and that I can like have this like creative freedom but also like draw me back in Mm -hmm. you need to and and we're in it for the long haul because i on the other side i am not going to jump into something with it being in and then out right like i'm gonna do it right and it's gonna be a thought yeah like we we pair really well with that because i'm like we're doing this and this and this and then we're doing this because this is going to help us in a year right so these are our steps um yeah you should see our spreadsheets guys (laughs) it's pretty phenomenal (laughs) So we'll at least be here for a year. That's yeah. what we committed to. So anyway, yeah, if you're a dreamer, you need somebody to just go like pick up those clouds and put them in a neat little order for you. <laughs> or like, I'm, I guess I'm pretty organized too, but I just, you need that person that's going to like tell you like, Hey, this cloud over here, you need to step on it now because we're here. It's we're March, here. it's April, June, July. We need to stay on track. <laughs> no, I, I like that we've figured out our lanes. So, yeah. so with that, all that being said, you know, we'll just jump into... Oh, let's actually... I mean, we kind of already have our list, but let's add that to the end, too. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll revisit going into partnership. Oh, yes. Um, and maybe we'll do a full episode on that in the That's future. a good idea. So... Because we... I don't think people realized when we started this podcast, we had four months. Four yeah. months of planning and making sure we were good because we are family yeah. and we needed healthy boundaries before we started. Also, I'm a pretty, like heavy believer in the like launch method so <laughs> that was another part of it awesome Want to get us started? Yeah, so let's get us started. But uh, we're going to do a little bit of an intro. Uh, monetizing your hobby. Um, you need to find out your why. Why yeah. do you want to monetize your hobby? Yeah, your why is like a big, like, 
it's kind of like a floofy thing now, but uh-huh. like everyone talks about their why. Why are you doing this? What's your like, why? You're setting a goal. Why? Uh-huh. What's your why? Uh-huh. But it's so legitimately like crucial to your success. It is. Like, if you are doing something because of or like for the wrong reasons and you're pursuing an avenue that's not going to get you those results it's literally a waste of time you're gonna and you're gonna burn out quick because you don't see your clarity and so we we broke it into two sections um number one your why is just to buy fabric yeah i want to sell stuff i want to support my hobby i want Mm -hmm. to break even Mm -hmm. i don't want my hobby to be a financial burden yep you know because when you're when i'm running my debit card on my family's account you know, mm-hmm. fabric's not cheap, yeah. you know, and we've talked about that. Um, level two. So level one is just, just enough to keep you supporting your hobby. Level two is to provide an income yeah. um, where you're actually making right. a profit. And there's a lot of tiers within that, but mm-hmm. like if your goal is to make your car payment or buy your groceries or, you know, support your really filthy sick Starbucks <laughs> coffee order <laughs> habit, <laughs> even though you have an espresso machine in your kitchen. <laughs> then that's fine there's a spot for you too but like just recognizing what your goals are and if you start there and then later decide to move up then great Mm -hmm. um but if you are like i want to pay my mortgage i want to be able to afford a second home like let's maybe really think through what that looks let's take some bite sizes to get there because Um, there are people in this industry that are truly doing that absolutely they're absolute rock stars Mm -hmm. but that's them hitting burnout after two years, finally having to hire help. And now they have teams of eight, 10, right. 15, you know, and nobody's seeing the work that they're doing behind right. the scenes. And so for the purposes of this podcast, we will be leaning more towards number two, yeah. um, where you're not just supporting it, but you're potentially wanting to make a little bit extra. Um, I know for me in my world that I'm to where I want to make sure that I'm making a long arm payment and then a little bit to put towards vacation. Like that's kind of where my realm is. So for the purposes of today, we would assume that you want to make substantial extra money. Yeah. And I think if you are on the edge and you're not quite sure, like Mm -hmm. maybe do a quick budget check. And if you don't have a budget check, get on it. Hot girls budget. (laughs) It's the way of the future. (laughs) Right. Get on budgeting. Um, so that's, so find out your why. Um, so from there, Ash, you want to go into how you can start what I don't even know where do you start okay so so you have something that you want to do yeah let's talk them up first and yeah. let's be like you're gonna make money like yeah you want to make some money what are you good at and what part of it do you want to make money on mm-hmm. I think the mistake that so many people make is they jump in they're like I have a quilting business and they try to do absolutely every single thing because I know quilters know a lot of techniques. Right. They know a lot of things. Right. But like if applique takes a lot of time, you're not going to get your money out of it. Mm-hmm. If you need to, if you really just want to sell your quilts, like you probably don't need to start a business. We're going to pin that and come back to it. <laughs> yeah, pin. I got it. <laughs> like you don't need to start an Etsy shop to like sell your stash for to sell your current quilts that are sitting in a closet. There's right. a different way. Um... So, I mean, first things first, like you're going to have to decide what you want to reserve for your hobby and what part you want to monetize. Don't monetize all of it. Don't. (laughs) Like, 
you will burn out and you will end up hating your hobby and your job. Right. Like right. if you hate your job, you can always quit your job, but you will still have your hobby and that thing that brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I love the business aspect. I make patterns and I love the design of it. I love the marketing. I love, it's like a three month launch. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it takes time to do the planning, but I love it. And you're getting paid to do it. Cause you like that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is it hard and exhausting? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I can turn around and yeah, I guess maybe sometimes I don't have time for it, but <laughs> make the art quotes that I'm really passionate about. Like, right. I am not monetizing that part of my hobby. Mm-hmm. And like those quotes are just for me and right. I guess the rest of the world too, because I'll share them. <laughs> but like, that's not something I'm ever going to try to make money on. Right. If anything, like that's something I pour my money into. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, like for you, what does that look like? So for me, I'm a little bit opposite. I don't do well with the pattern making and I guess you would call it a little bit more passive income. Like I I get that you're still producing something. I enjoy making t-shirt quilts because I feel like it has a high turnaround and they're quick and, um, and they're one quilt's $500. So for me, I'll make one and that includes costs and everything like that. Um, so I like the active, I like making things to then sell it. Um, but I reserve like you, the art quilts and other quilts, um, for myself. I will say though, in the last little bit, I haven't had time to make my own quilts. And sometimes I do get burned out of sewing because I'm sewing for other people. Um, I have a client right now who hired me to do like five commission quilts this year. And that takes, that's taking a lot of time. So I'm finding recently that I'm getting more of my own creative outlet on updating my website on the admin side, like you, we're like almost flip-flopped where I'm producing and making things for people while my creative outlook is the podcast and website design. Yeah. Like my burnout comes from after I've done my sample for the pattern, like I want to be done, but the way that the world works is I probably need to make another or maybe two more mm-hmm. sample quilts just to have variation, you know, cause photos, <laughs> website, all the things, which is leading into our next thing. Like it's a lot of work to go through the hoops of setting up your business legally, mm-hmm. doing the taxes, having a separate bank account. Um, and I know like that doesn't feel necessary for everybody and you are, I mean, you're welcome to do it however you want, mm-hmm. but I feel like as far as legitimizing and making sure your ducks are in a row and your assets are protected as like a personal, like as a human and mm-hmm. for your family, that's really important. And you don't want to get two years down the line and you're doing really well yeah. and suddenly it blows up and you don't have a fallback of having everything under business. Right. And you know, I don't love having a business Venmo. I don't, I don't like the fees. People ask me all the time. Can I just Venmo you directly? The fees are taking, you know, cause the business side, um, takes out whatever the fees are. And I, just no, I like that people can see that I'm a legitimate business because if I was on the other side, I would want to make sure that I'm pouring into a business. That being, yeah, I mean, along those lines too, like, yeah, you're getting stuff wholesale, but you mm-hmm. also have to charge taxes and pay those taxes in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think websites alone cost so much money, they do. Like, my personal one, I did a 
ugh, the research alone just like makes me exhausted and I did it like it's over yeah. I don't have to do it again yeah <laughs> you're just thinking about I know it, like going back and forth and finding like the right fit for you um like you can choose Wix that has all of the things built in for you it's so intensive though yeah or you can hire somebody to do it which is more, more money, money. Mm-hmm. if you can do that yeah do it <laughs> And or if your husband's great at that or your best friend and you want to trade some coffee for it, do it. For sure. Hire that for sure. But hire, but getting a website, you know, you're $200 for a year plus your domain. Yeah. I mean, I was hundreds of dollars just to, just to get a website where people can go to. Right. Okay. So that's one quilt. Yeah. You know, just to get the address, just to get the address. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's your own domain, your own website. There's also Etsy out there yeah. and you've used Etsy a lot. I was, yeah. I was a little bit hesitant for Etsy because I didn't understand it and I didn't think that it fit my, my realm. Cause I was more on demand yeah. stuff. I think I've had an Etsy since like maybe 2013, maybe a little bit less than that. I'll have to check. Um, but in the original Wild Wild West case for Etsy, it was so overwhelming. Um, it was like kind of a new concept. Nobody in your local like like state or city tax like offices could help you answer questions mm. that you needed. And Etsy had pretty good like blanket information, but the thing about taxes is it can be a little bit scary to like you don't want to do it wrong. Right. Know? And like these people, half of them haven't even heard of Etsy. Most of them don't work with it. And so they don't, re- they didn't really know how to help you. That's changed so much now. Yeah. There's so much like e-commerce and online business. Like you'll be able to find the help that you need. And the questions are pretty readily available. So I think if you have tried Etsy in the past, yeah. maybe come back to yeah. it. And Etsy Facebook groups, I know are really helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Flourish. Um, run by Sarah Sewell she hosts this like it's like multiple Facebook groups that are all like in an umbrella under Flourish Um, and there's just different groups and there's even separate Facebook groups for if you start making more like I think there's like a 10,000 plus 20,000 plus group and then there's like groups that are like six figure earners. Wow. And so like you have the opportunity to ask questions within those groups and the answers that you get obviously vary by group. Right. Um, and so like it's also cool to move up in those groups and just see how people are doing business differently. Yeah. From like I sell at craft markets and now I'm starting an Etsy shop um, to like I do every craft market. I am... I have a website, I have an Etsy, like there's just so many different levels of people monetizing and hop, like doing their craft. Right. And, and it's like, it's a lot like quilting. There's no yeah. wrong way. Right. And, and you can come ask me my opinion on how I do things. And I like where I'm at. I, I feel like I'm in a good groove and I enjoy having a website. It works for me. Yeah. I think if you are not overwhelmed by the website process, then go that route. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like there's very few people that I don't recommend Etsy for. Even if you have a pretty successful business, it's like, it's so easy the way that they have their like listing stuff now, like it's checkboxes, drop down menus, plop in pictures. They have great suggestions and tutorials. Um, their Etsy ads are pretty killer. Like they're yeah. really good at targeting your target audience. 
Do you think that this is um, Etsy could be something more for our experienced quilters? Um, just as far as yeah. um, I know, just trying to start a website is super overwhelming, whereas I feel like Etsy has a little bit easier interface because it's already built in and yeah. you just upload a picture and it kind of runs your ads. Yeah. And I mean, I'm pretty technologically t- challenged, like to be really <laughs> blunt, <laughs> despite being able to figure out this podcast thing. Like if there's something I want to do really badly, I'll figure out how to do it. But like, like, you know, just yeah, from ground zero, I'm pretty like hesitant to try mm-hmm. or learn new technology. Well, and then you have somebody who says, yes, I want to sell something and now I have to go learn how to do a whole website right. could be very overwhelming. So maybe starting with Etsy and getting it going, seeing if yeah. you're going to sell something. Oh, yeah. it's working. Okay. I'm going to go market myself. Yeah. And something that a lot of people don't know is that Etsy, like you can link your domain to Etsy. So your urbandwellstudio.com can link to Etsy. Oh yeah. In like through your domain site or purchase, whatever. Um, and then if or when you choose to have a separate website, you can have that same domain. Just already there. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very pro if you have a cool idea and the domains available, just buy it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I can't tell you how many domains I have. <laughs> yeah, just buy it. <laughs> we would just have that like $8 <laughs> charge reoccurring every few weeks. My husband's like, somebody took our last name.com. <laughs> messerly.com and I really want to buy it from him. He doesn't have anything up on his website either. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> um, okay. So you can Etsy, you can website, um, you can, we've talked in the past, you can have your own Instagram. Um, but also there is in person. Yeah. Let's talk about in person marketing. Yeah. Like crafts or like craft, um, shows and stuff. I think if you have a lot of quilts that you are wanting to stash, that's a pretty good way to get those in front of people. If it's a, <laughs> I think a more um, like higher quality craft store or craft show, that's what I would shoot for. Um, the smaller ones, you probably won't get enough traffic. Like to... Eagle Mountain, Utah rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not maybe. May, I guess in the farm world, yeah, I think it's just so small. It kind of, you just really have to think about your market. Yeah. Like, is just because the craft show is affordable to get a booth space in, like that doesn't mean that that's a good way to spend your hundred dollars or hundred. And then your time to sit there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They take so much time uh-huh. and effort and you often need extra tables and need to go collect those from friends or family <laughs> and do the setup and probably have somebody sit with you the whole time. It usually to ends give up you a break. your spouse or partner <laughs> and like, you then you're fighting by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm the spouse of a, of a crafter or something. Yes. It's like them hauling tables on their weekend. Like I didn't I, know I'd be doing this for free. Yeah. Like yeah. they, they work their whole week and then they come home and have to do that on the mm-hmm. weekend. And you know, most do it graciously, but yeah, I think if that could potentially be a point of contention in yeah. your relationship, like that's something to definitely mm-hmm. think through. Um, but as far as craft shows go, my recommendation would be to find the vintage days ones. Yeah, the big um, ones. Yeah, yeah. Like those are people that have like already value handmade and already value the art of quilting. Mm-hmm. And thankfully for the vintage quilt repurpose trend, I think people are more aware of what 
quilts actually cost and right. like their potential value in a hundred years. Right. So those are the people that are going to value those items. Um, Awesome. Um, You could also, uh, marketing yourself, craft shows, uh, get to know your local quilt shop. Mm -hmm. Um, We just had a new one open down the street from me and I've got to know the ladies really well. And they asked me to teach Mm -hmm. and um, leaning into that and teaching there. And I mean, it's my knowledge that I get to sit with people to teach them how to paper piece and I get paid for it. Okay. <laughs> like, hey, spoiler, you don't need a teaching degree to teach quilting classes. You don't. Um, it's helpful if you've taken a couple. I mm-hmm. will say that. <laughs> yes, that's true. But, you know, you have to start somewhere. Um, and all the quilt shops are looking for classes. And they are. And they, they take a percentage. So everybody signs up and then the quilt shop will take... Um, a percentage of, and you'll talk about that with them beforehand, mm-hmm. uh, per person percentage. Yeah. Um, and typically you can use like other people's patterns as long as you get permission. Um, just make sure to message them. That's what happened with my paper piecing is I messaged a friend and she made a pattern and then I taught it, which yeah. was really kind of cool. Um, Always ask the pattern designer permission. I know a lot of quilt shops don't. And like, it's kind of fine mm-hmm. because you're selling more of their patterns but it's also just kind of like a it's a respectful thing to do and kind of a by the book kind of thing that you should should be doing right. Um, right if you're not no shade it's i think it's kind of just depending on your region or mm-hmm. what's more common but that is something that should be getting <laughs> and and it's so easy and you have to remember too the makers on the other side are just people right like as a pattern designer like a f- i personally wouldn't like and of course you would want your pattern to be in a class right like (laughs) so i think i think there's just different levels and it's always good to ask and i i would immediately Mm -hmm. just say like yeah of course but there's others that are like no i want to be solely the teacher of my pattern and Mm -hmm. that's something that we need to respect Mm -hmm. um you know just everybody kind of differs there um i would say teaching is my number one recommendation for this whole episode, if you take nothing <laughs> else, I'm like, you should look into teaching classes. Yep. Um, it's just your time. Yeah. It's your time and you're getting paid. It's kind of a one-off. Some Like there's a little bit of prep, but once you do the prep, like you can turn around and teach that class again if you want. You don't need to reinvent mm-hmm. the class. You're literally teaching the pattern. Mm-hmm. So I think if you are good at cheerleading and you're good at being supportive and answering questions on the fly, like go, go teach at a local cool shop. Absolutely. And you're right. They're always looking for classes. Like yeah. we're already planning our fall classes and I'm so excited for it. Right. Like literally the worst they can say is no, we're full and <laughs> right. take your information and add you to their list of uh-huh. potential future um, which that reminds me some uh, quilt shops. If you teach at their quilt shop, um, a certain technique, they don't allow you to then teach it at another quilt shop. So yeah. make sure you talk to them up front about that, that you can go yeah. elsewhere. Like you don't need to be a designer. You don't need to be doing mm-hmm. your own stuff. Like that is just such a good gateway to make more income and do the hobby that you love and share it with others. But you get to go home at the end of the day, Yeah. turn on your sewing machine and make what and, you want. <laughs> yeah, do what you want. And, and especially if that's under your uh, level one, you just want to buy to support your hobby. Right. And it's also, I mean, knowing a couple of shop owners, it's kind of a blessing for them that they don't have to ask their staff to teach. Yeah. 
I mean, some of them love to do it and that's part of their income is teaching a lot of classes in the shop. But some mm-hmm. of them are kind of like digging for teachers. All and the they time. have so much to do. Like yeah. even sitting there with the teaching and seeing all they do all day. Yeah. And yeah, they're going to pay the teacher whatever amount because you have people in the class buying fabric inside the class right and <laughs> like oh i don't have enough of this background fabric and they go um, grab another yard and it's like it's worth it they're getting paid yeah. more in that area i think yeah i'm not going to speak for all the shop owners but a couple that i know would much rather be able to have their employees that they've hired to work in their shop because they love having them in the shop just work in the shop mm-hmm. you know not and I and I don't want to work in the shop. I I would rather sit in the back corner and with these old ladies yeah. <laughs> and teach. Like I think my lady during baby peasing last week was she said eighty nine and had a stroke two years ago. That's amazing. And it was like the funnest time. Yeah. I'm like I can't. I literally cannot believe I'm getting paid to sit here right now. Yeah. I would do this for free, <laughs> which is the problem. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do it for free. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really it's so awesome. Um, yeah. You- get to connect with a lot of people that you wouldn't otherwise but i think Mm -hmm. i would say most shops are really looking for and would be willing to hire somebody that doesn't just work in their shop yeah Um, and you know i think first divs probably go to their employees but i i think that they reach burnout too like Mm -hmm. they don't it's like you work a job in a bank. You don't want to go teach banking classes <laughs> at your little. bank at night. Like, <laughs> no. You want to work your hours and be done. So. And, and they work in, you know, six months ahead of time. Yeah. And so they'll they'll get you on the schedule. And so when you can go in and just say, hey, I can offer this class for you. Yep. You know, it's a, it's a good way to go. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for this next section because it's a lot that you know how to do. <laughs> What's the next section? Section. Section. Um, We were just talking about uh, tech editing. So again, instead of selling actual goods, like what can you... Oh yeah, like a virtual product essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Tech editing is really so important. And describe what tech editing is. So you've written, if you write a pattern, it's basically proofreading for pattern writing. Um, you're going through and you're making sure the numbers number and the math maths <laughs> and those measurements are correct. The fabric requirements are correct. There's not weird um, wording. Something that I do is I copy and paste a lot of my formatting. So if I'm working in an older, like a different format, I'll copy and paste it and then it'll be in like the other font sometimes. So I've had that caught a lot in my tech editing, but like you know, I think it just saves you so much hassle and it really legitimizes your pattern writing. Um, I'm not, I mean, that's kind of a tangent. I'm trying to sell you on being a tech editor, <laughs> not hiring one as a pattern writer. <laughs> no, be the tech editor. Be the tech editor. Um, you're really needed and it it's a good way to clock in and clock out and just like have people pay you for your services. You don't have to do the heavy design lifting and I mean if you are really as a tech editor having to rewrite a lot one you should be charging for it two um you can also fire your customers like you don't have to tech edit for everybody (laughs) if they're sending you stuff with a lot of edits and revisions and like stuff that takes a lot of your time um you need to charge them differently or just not work with them that's just kind of like a boundary i think mm-hmm. um, which i unfortunately have heard a lot of 
not that I'm like holier than thou, but it's like you are sending your pattern to the tech editor as the final step. Like they're not doing like your basic formatting stuff, um, which like I think everybody learns differently, but like writing the pattern, it should be finished. Like, right. This, this be, is like going out to the public right yeah, now. Like you yeah. should be ready to send it out and like, there should be no mistakes essentially. It, yeah, how it is. And like your tech editor does another, has another set of eyes on it. And like, they'll probably always catch something, but like, I would hope that those are not major mistakes. Right. Um, you know, anyway, no pressure tech edit, but <laughs> if that's something you're good at and you love uh-huh. like editing kind of nitpicking and picking mm-hmm. people's patterns, like that's a great route to go, um, to get into that. I think doing one of the like pattern writing courses would probably be most helpful. Um, just so that you are familiar with what pattern writers are trying to achieve. I don't think that's always clear. Mm, However, like that disconnect maybe could be fixed going forward in the future. And you can help blend those expectations versus reality um, or common complaints with pattern writing. Um, Or if you are just pretty seasoned in the quilting world and have used a lot of patterns and you feel like I could probably tech edit these patterns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, probably can. Yeah. If you feel confident, like, I would say that that's a good um, cue as to, like, you starting it. Right, being in the tech editor. And right now, so primarily right now, you, so I'm making quilts, you're primarily making patterns, and that's where your monetization comes. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you get to from wanting to do it to where you are now? Um, well, I wrote a couple of kind of crappy patterns, and then I was like, oh, I want to do this and make them look nice. <laughs> Um, and what I wanted going, I took Elizabeth Chapel's pattern writing course, um, and it was really fantastic. I think with any type of course like that, you need to walk in and know what your expectations are. If you're signing up for something like that and you don't have expectations or you don't know what to expect, you might just be wasting money. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying in any way that that is a waste, that course is a waste of money. Right. I think you not knowing what you want out of it and evaluating if those are the results that you can get mm-hmm. is a waste of money. And Does maybe follow. Yeah, totally. And and then following up with it too. Cause you just can't take a course. Right. I mean, you can, I guess you can. Yeah. And then just be like, Oh, that was cool. I didn't get anything from it. And then yeah, like be if, mad about it. And then the money, the time, and you're interested in learning and that's all you want from mm-hmm. it. Then cool. If the, right. That's what you want. Cool. But if you take this course and expect to have a full fledged business afterwards, like mm-hmm. without any of the work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me walking into it, my expectations were, I know how to do the business aspect. Mm -hmm. I want the, um, like industry standards. I wasn't sure or certain what those were. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know what the expectation is and how to go about achieving those like from the get go. Um, and so, I mean, I will just say the course is like a thousand dollars. So right. I was willing and to over sp- nine weeks or right. 10, 12 yeah, weeks, weeks, something. Yeah. yeah. Like I was willing to spend a thousand dollars for this nine week course to learn the things that would take me years right. to do without doing that <laughs> coursework. So right. that, that was easy money to spend for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't 
and I guess like the basics and stuff of how to use um, like Adobe in the context of quilting. Mm -hmm. I was already sort of familiar and was good at EQA, but it was just like combining them and like the how to Mm -hmm. less so than like the actual meat and potatoes of the pattern writing was what I needed from the course. I got those because I knew walking in that that's what I could get. Right, 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 right. Um, Cool. And so I think if you have similar needs or expectations, that's a great course. If you want just the like nuts and bolts of like, how do I write a pattern? There's maybe other options. I'm not super familiar with them, but I know Amber um, Alderwood Studio Mm -hmm. has a pattern writing course as well. Um, Lots of people speak highly of it. Um, And then there's people that just like put it in Microsoft Word and make it work. Yeah. Like if that works for you. Like a standard little printed pattern Uh in a plastic bag. That's what you want. (laughs) Go for it. You know, we're not saying that what what Ash chose to do through the pattern writing is the wrong way. Right, because your path has been a little bit different than right. I just knew others, but I you had knew my mapped out steps, right, and that's how I got from point A to point B to point C to point D. Right, I had those planned out, and I knew that that's mm-hmm. the route that I needed to go, and that's not for everybody. Um, but long term, that's what I right, have. and and then now you're able to hustle with those skills that you learned from her right. last year and follow through with it long the longevity which is why it was a good investment at the beginning right Right. which is why at the end of the day i thought i need to purchase a long arm because i'm making these t-shirt quilts where they take me 10 hours to make Mm -hmm. but then i'm paying somebody else to long arm them i'm kind of losing money in that route so i'm going to invest in this to keep me going on that what was your worst case scenario for your long arm like (laughs) <laughs> like what i guess what was holding you back like the money oh obviously. it was the, it was the money like but what was your worst case scenario oh, of spending the, the money that nobody would buy a t-shirt quilt <laughs> and then you save money on your own quilting right for right 10 years yeah like, that was the worst case scenario for you and i mm-hmm. know like going back to one of our previous episodes we were like oh that's kind of classes to be like oh let's just buy a long arm to save money for the next 10 years right but like if you're in that position then you understand what if, if you're in a if you're in a the season of life where you're like how do i monetize my hobby yeah. and i because it really is cliche but you have to spend money to make money yeah. right and those first and i think that's essentially what this episode is about is understanding that quilts are priced the way they are for a reason yeah there's startup costs there are supply costs there's mm-hmm. time um yeah, we could talk about pricing too. God, right. I have a bone to pick. Well, it's not really a bone to pick. It's just like I have a pet peeve with people that. I mean, okay, let me backtrack because I don't want people coming at me. Um, <laughs> I dislike when you place a high value on your quilt, but then you get frustrated with it not selling, and then you practically sell it like you practically give it away at the price Mm -hmm. that you sell it instead why don't you either just give them away to Mm -hmm. the people that you love um did we talk about this in that last episode yeah yeah just barely yeah um like just like two weeks ago yeah they're either gonna sit there and you're Mm -hmm. gonna make five hundred dollars a pop or you can give them to your loved ones and they can cherish them right Um, like don't hoard them because they're not selling right i don't know um 
it's tricky too because I think um, makers want to make a quilt but it's not specifically what somebody will buy. So my commission client that I have right now, she has a very distinct style Mm -hmm. that I would not, I wouldn't make that quilt and put it online to sell because that's not my style. So she's hired me and I'll be totally blunt at an hourly rate, Mm -hmm. 25 bucks an hour. And I track my hours and then we quilt it. And then she pays me. I have to track my hours, which is kind of a pain, but she sends me the fabric, so I don't have to worry about the fabric. She pays me hourly, and that's how I get paid for that quilt. And that's different than I'm going to go pick the fabrics from the store and try to put it online to sell. Right. Or like making this quilt because you're really excited to make it, and then being like, oh, I should sell this. Right. Um, if I will say, if you plan to sell your quilts, don't wash them. <laughs> yeah, don't wash them. <laughs> no. Like, um like, I know I love that scrunchy feeling so much, mm-hmm. but if your plan is to sell that quilt, don't wash yeah. it. You can yeah. pre-wash your fabrics if that's your concern. Um, but if you are planning to sell it, like, there's nothing personally less attractive than, like, mm-hmm. a pre-washed quilt. It right. looks used. It does look used. And you can, and then that's where when you do sell it, you can fold it with a care instructions they're all over the internet you just type in care instructions and give them you know this is how you wash it and then it's on them after they have it Mm -hmm. and i think yeah i just that would be a tip if you are planning to sell your quilt Mm -hmm. the other tip is if that's your plan from the get-go maybe really take into consideration like trends or styles yeah um like just because you love that pattern and you have that fabric in your stash doesn't mean that that's the best choice for a quilt that you are trying to make money on. Right. Right. Um, I mean, along those lines, like if your goal is to make money on quilts, maybe just take commissions. Exactly. Um, and do exactly what they want. And, specifications. Mm-hmm. and I, I'm to the point now where I don't like designing the quilt for people cause it takes me a long time. Mm-hmm. So I've been leaning into what pattern do you like Buy the pattern and then I'll do it. Right. Um, and I know my aunt does that really well where it's like, and like I said, this client Kara, she sends me the fabric as well, mm-hmm. which is like money for me. Cause yeah. it's just, it's now I'm just making what this with her fabric, right. which is really great. Right. You are, you are the labor and right. it's great. I love it. And like, I'm the complete opposite. I don't want to make your quilt. I don't want to make anybody else's idea. I don't even want to use a pattern. Like, I don't, I don't want to use a pattern either, but I like not having to make my own pattern. Like I have no interest. Like that's not money that I want to make. Like I don't know what the price tag would have to be for yeah. that to be interesting. To okay. Me. So that, that's another good um, point that I wrote down. You need to stand by your pricing. Yeah. Period. End of story. Period. Period. If you can get anything (laughs) else from this, stand by your pricing because somebody will pay it and um, you will you will get the bottom feeders not paying. You know, you you set your standards where they are. I am fully aware that my T-shirt quilts are probably a little bit more than some that I've seen out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't want to do T-shirt quilts 24 seven. So my pricing is reflective of that. Right. And I. The thing that is really important about pricing, if this is an important art for you, if this is an important craft for you, 
if this is an important community for you, is to not drag down your fellow makers or your fellow quilters because you are trying to make a quick buck. Yep. If you want to make your pricing affordable, I am really torn on that. I think, yeah, there are people that can't afford it. Um, If you have it in your finances and you are able to and you feel like you can gift it to them do that mm-hmm. i think by selling a quilt at a hundred dollars to somebody that you know can't afford it it brings down the rest of mm-hmm. <laughs> the quilts in the market um and i know that i will get some pushback from that and i <laughs> i know i've yeah. gone back and forth personally but i think i've decided that that's where i stand mm-hmm. in that like end it's like not everybody can afford a mercedes right um and that's really harsh i recognize that guys um if like there are poor people everybody deserves love and the like special item that's made just for them um i think that if we really think about it though we'll realize that a lot of people have people in their lives that make stuff um uh i don't know i I will say that I can see the other side of that. So mm-hmm. I'm not bashing that at all. So please don't come at me. Please don't leave us a crappy one star. I know, right? Like, I, I we understand. Cry. I understand, guys. I truly, truly, truly do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to place higher value on our art i was gonna say that's why we're talking about this today though right that's why we have these hard conversations and nobody wants to talk about the monetization of your hobby Maybe that seems like a little like too feminist for some people (laughs) but i think women's work has been devalued for so long Mm -hmm. that and like we have been putting in in our homes for so so long and our families have been reliant on it for so long that it already is so undervalued and underappreciated um, the least we can do is get our costs and supplies and labor out of that. Yeah. And to pay ourselves a reasonable living wage for those if we are truly selling them. Right. You know, if you want to gift people quilts, then go for it. You know? and, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and if you want to, like, at cost, sell your quilts, then go for it. But don't be, like, undervaluing Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, That being said, like going and meshing both of those opinions together, sell your quilt at whatever you feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to charge 25 bucks for a quilt, then fine. (laughs) That could be somebody's lucky day. Mm -hmm. You do you. Don't let us, don't let us feel like we're judging you or bullying you. If what you do feels like you are adding value to the world by making your quilts affordable Mm -hmm. and making them like pricing them at like next to giveaway pricing is you, how you want to live the, in the world, then make that your thing. Right. Um, and like stick to it, I guess. <laughs> like don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's why this is all very tricky because you have those two categories of buy fabric. I just want to make enough just to kind of keep myself going. Right. So for me, making a profit doesn't matter. But when it gets to be December and I take my, machine in to get serviced and it ends up being $600. And I think, oh yeah, I'm glad that I have my things priced where they are at. Um, because I wouldn't have been able to afford that. And I will tell you what, I am not making hand over fist money. I am making enough to pay off a long arm once a month. (laughs) Like that's where I'm at. And so I, I think, like you said, just valuing 
yeah. the makers. Right. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying anything is right or wrong. I right. think, I think you just as a seller need to consider what this craft means to you and what the community yes. means to you. And if <laughs> that would make you feel good yeah. and at seeing your work undervalued mm-hmm. or like underrepresented. Yeah. So yeah. power to the women. <laughs> Sell those quotes for what they're worth. You know. You're worth it. Yeah. And You're I, worth it. Yeah. And I, we recognize that there are so many different spots on the spectrum and it's mm-hmm. like so gray. It is. But if you are actually making a business out of it, I think that's what we can say. If you are actually making an effort to make a yes. business out of it, don't undervalue your work. Right. If you're not, then go for it. Give the... Mm-hmm. Sell them for a hundred bucks. If that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, if you, if you're in the group too, where you've got the business license and the taxes and the wholesale, and you're right, you know, trying to turn a profit and just make sure that you're right. staying caught up with all those. Yeah, and I know like we the quilting community like is just full of like really kind-hearted people, mm-hmm. and like there are so many good people in the quilting world. I think we just we need to stand together on that and you know, watch out for each other. Yeah. 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 So I'm sorry if you feel offended at all. And I, can you tell that we've gotten feedback like this before? We have. (laughs) I just want to make it really abundantly clear that I, I see you if that's what you're doing. And that's, that's totally fine. And and again, going back to even just our, one of our first episodes, putting yourself out there is delicate thing. Um, so I get it. Putting yourself out there on a website with your quilts and a price tag. Yeah is scary and then not selling anything is scary yeah and i think if you are doing that and you maybe have your guard up right now take a a deep breath i love you so much (laughs) is what you are selling that quilt for actually worth your time and energy is it bringing you value are you selling it to just kind of get rid of it make a little bit of money was it a pattern test which i think is kind of a great area too like whatever um but you're if you are maybe feeling defensive because you're like, oh, shoot, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're not. There's no right or wrong here. <laughs> um, and you need the convincing to raise your prices. This is your green light. I think that that's what the that's bottom what line I'm of all of this is. To, yeah, is, that it's OK to raise your prices. I'm not trying to shame you. I think I'm trying to give you permission. Yes. But the confidence that it's OK to. And you did that with me last year. You looked at me and you're like, Lacey, what? <laughs> What the bleep are you doing? doing? (laughs) I'm like, there's no way that anybody's going to buy those at that price. And I did. And I raised it and I'm happier with it because I'm not burning myself out with orders. I'm doing good orders for half the time. I'm making the same amount half the time. I mean, you can Costco yourself out and Mm -hmm. try to sell quantity over like quality, which I mean, sorry, you probably aren't producing low quality quilts if you <laughs> no. are making quilts but if you're trying to do as many as possible and you have your prices too low like you're burning out and it's total hustle it equals the same if you charge a little <laughs> bit more but make a few less quilts in the year right um for, basic <laughs> economics right um <laughs> like just pricing in general like it's really worth it to dig through and work and look at it mm-hmm. and i think pricing is i think the the hardest part of all of this is yeah. where do I start 
Um, so hopefully we gave you a couple tips to... Yeah, and some things to think about. To ponder on. Please don't email us. Please don't leave us a bad review. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cry. <laughs> we see we all of you. We want everybody to be friends and we want everybody to be successful. Yeah, I think... I think it's just important mm-hmm. to think about. All right, let's kind of switch gears and now we'll play devil's advocate and why you should not no. monetize. <laughs> yeah. I got a long list for this. I, <laughs> um, okay, so business license, taxes, is wholesaling. <laughs> the money it takes for the business. <laughs> right? <laughs> really, though, it's so much work to run a business. And like we said at the beginning, like, I mean, I don't think we're out here making it look easy, but this podcast is a business. There's two of us. The mm-hmm. amount of work that goes into this podcast. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. Shout out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it is Instagram. It's customer service. Right. And when we get the haters. Yeah, it's design. It's, you know, all the things that you're not hearing right now. Yeah. You know, you turn on your little Spotify, your Apple podcast. It's not you driving down here for an hour to get right. to get I, you here. I commute. <laughs> the commuting. The how about the calendar app to try Freaking to make coffee sure coffee just to keep me alive on this. <laughs> Calendarly. The Calendarly app. Yeah. Calendarly. There's nope. a lot of you going back to the website add-ons and things mm-hmm. that aren't just like oh yeah straight costs. We have workspace that charges us per month. Yep. We have a lot of just like. I mean, they're all small little extra subscriptions, but Uh like they're necessary to do this podcast at the level that we want. And there's not a way to avoid them. Right. Um, So it costs money to run a business. Mm -hmm. Um, And then going into quilting and not doing it, you keep it as a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that being said, we get that quilting is expensive that's literally why we both monetized our hobby right <laughs> but if you cannot i think you'll oh, make I, your family your partner yourself much happier in the long run if you just are doing the thing you love for free for sure and full disclosure if quilting wasn't so expensive i wouldn't be trying to make money i actually thought that the other days i just thought you know once my long arm is paid off i might pump the brakes on all this production for other people i'm kind of surprised at how many people want me to make stuff yeah like once you kind of get your and i was talking to another maker online too she was just saying i just i wasn't expecting the hustle and the boss and the once you start getting yourself out there a little bit it's just everybody wants some of it because there's there's really not a lot of quilters i feel like there's a lot of quilters in the world because i'm on an instagram quilting Mm -hmm. so i feel like my whole feed is just hundreds of quilters thousands of quilters but when you think of it globally there's really not a lot of quilters out there yeah and it feels saturated until you take a step back and you're like oh wait a minute we're actually a smaller community than it feels like right right so yeah i think so don't don't get in the hustle i yeah i my biggest recommendation is if you cannot and you can afford to just have it be a hobby then Mm -hmm. just have it be do that 
And if you're not a psycho business addict, then don't Looking start at you, Ash. business. I'm closing my eyes so I can't see you. <laughs> we have headphones on so we can hear each other. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I just, there's just so many reasons to not. Uh-huh. Um, including, like, if you're not good at staying organized, it's hard to be an Etsy seller, too. Like... The yeah. star seller thing is real. Um, and don't you have to be, have to hit certain criteria for that? Like yeah, you have to respond, respond to messages quickly, right? Yeah, within 24 hours. Oh, that's really quick. You ship things within, I mean, you can set your shipping time, but if you go over that, you get pinged and just wow. like a lot of little things that I think, um, like that should be the flexibility of a small handmade business get taken out of that. Right. Um, and that's just, the, that's the world that we live in. Um, I think 10 years ago, it was cool and endearing to have this cool little mm-hmm. handmade thing. And everybody was really accepting about the time that it took to, for one person shop to like get things shipped out and made. Yes. And then Amazon and Prime. Then Amazon Prime. And everybody has that expectation for shipping. And they forget that you're just and a person. return yeah. policy. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you are somebody that's sensitive and cannot deal with that, uh, both of us, <laughs> like, don't do it. Like, wait, why? Hold on. Why do I own a small business? <laughs> why am I doing this? Cause you didn't go over your why. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. so true. But yeah, I think, I think it can be really draining if you are somebody with limited, um, peopling mm-hmm. capacity. Yeah. Uh, so that is something that should be taken into consideration. Um, yeah, just because you're passionate and obsessive and really good at it and your friends and family say, you should sell these. I know you should. Say you should. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you should. <laughs> like, I don't want to though. Yeah. Shout out to all the bakers that just. Oh gosh. Don't monetize their hobby. I think, I think baking and like crocheting. Yeah. Is some, I think crocheting especially is something that people really get told all the time that you should sell these oh yeah all the time (laughs) i don't want to (laughs) like i don't want to (laughs) but they end up doing it and then it tanks because like guess what they don't actually want to run a business right and it's it's the business side that i just don't think people are ready for it's the time that it takes to do all of the business and all of the Oh my gosh! My mind. I'm sorry. That look that you just gave me. <laughs> my husband's doing a blender upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> the most annoyed. Like that was a Lizzie McGuire look. Like <laughs> trying to get through my thought. And my family does pretty good. Um, we have the door locked down here, and we don't ever hear him. And he's he's blendering. So <laughs> we're making salsa. I think. Yes. So, anyway, any last minute thoughts for monetizing your business? No, I your hobby. I mean, monetizing. Do we have more on why you should? I think just time, energy, mm-hmm. commitment, the business, money aspect, um, and if you don't have the heart to charge people, yeah, <laughs> when it's worth and like that's not actually valuable to you, then don't. It's hard too because on the flip side, getting an order is like amazing, you know. Like getting like that, somebody bought my stuff is really cool. I I also think that um, you could always try it. 
you can give yourself one year. I'm going to hustle for one year and see what it's like. And if I don't like it, I don't have to do it. That's literally what what we've done with this podcast Mm -hmm. is we've commit. We set a timeline to commit to. Mm -hmm. And I mean, spoiler alert, I think we'll renew our contract. (laughs) We got seven months. Seven months, but it's going pretty well. (laughs) I see it's going pretty serious. Ask her to marry me. Um, but yeah, I like set a time parameter and, and just hit it hard. Hit just, it. At, I mean, you don't have to overdo it. You yeah. can set realistic expectations on what you want to do and how you should scale that business in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And once you get to the end, you can reevaluate. Right. Like basically, like a contract, mm-hmm. and that you can have an easy out. You're gonna text him. Like, yes, can you I put am. Blendery? <laughs> The quilty community is getting jealous because we are having salsa. <laughs> yeah, I think there's just a lot to that goes into running the business. And if that's not your thing. Oh, I also wanted to touch on the pattern writing. I think it I think things are moving really quickly in the pattern writing world and like there's a lot of like emphasis and there's a lot of us and we like doing it and we like having the business and we like filling a niche um but that being said it's not easy yeah i mean i don't think i make it look easy but there are other people that make it look super easy and we talked about this a little bit ago but it's like there's so much behind the scenes there's so much organizing there's so much planning Mm -hmm. everybody's always six months out from their current point like the pattern that I'm releasing next, I designed last October. Oh my gosh. My sample last October. So it's like that quilt has been sitting. Um, it's just like there's a lot of that and it's a lot to juggle. Uh-huh. Um, but it's also like if I'm going to be realistic and go back to that pattern writing, it's like you have to put forth a lot of effort to see return for your investment versus creating a physical product that you sell. And that's that passive income mm-hmm. hustle right that's a lot of people are seeking on and that's fair mm-hmm. but it's it's not create a thing put it out there and like sit back and let the money flow okay. in right it it's planning it is marketing and like until you get a few patterns out there until you build up your email list <laughs> until you send out those right we, newsletters regularly like you aren't going to be seeing profit. And I think that may be part of the drawback or the criticism that the pattern writing courses have seen. And I don't think they are intentionally um, like sneaky about hiding those. I think that those things are assumed and not everybody realizes that those are assumed. Yeah. Just like the effort that goes into printing right. a pattern for like to have a physical pattern and not just a PDF. Like it's a full, it's a full separate format than the PDF. It's a full like outright investment of buying this printed product, usually in a large number of like large quantity because you can't just do 50. Right. Right. <laughs> like that's not feasible for the printer. So they're not going to offer that. Unless well, and then printing fees. Say then yeah. printing fees. Yeah, and so like the only way you can really make money is to buy it at bulk. Oh and man! The only way you can really sell those <laughs> is to really market it. You know. Right. So it's just Gosh. kind of a big, huge circling loop above yeah. this little thing. It's like an iceberg. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. 
Wow. And that's most of the monetizing. Your hobby. There's so many ways that you can do it. It's just, I... Find your why. That's our bottom line. Yep. Why do you want to do it? All right. So we'll wrap this up and we're going to borrow our... One of our favorite podcasts, well, one of my favorite podcasts <laughs> is called Sounds Like a Quilt. And at the a end, cult. Sounds, like it so, a- sounds like a <gasps> Sounds like a quilt. Cute. <laughs> Somebody so, buy that domain. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> I already own it. By the time you hear this podcast, I will I'm own that it. domain. I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's just going to be a picture of us. <laughs> It'll just lead to my website yeah. and it'll be a page with a picture of us. And then it says redirecting. Yep. <laughs> Arrow. Arrow <knocked> out. <laughs> All right. So they do at the end of their episode, they evaluate the quote unquote cult that they've talked about and they mm-hmm. categorize it by live your life, watch your back or get the heck out. So in those categories, what where would you place monetizing your hobby? How would I place it? Yeah, where would you, which category would you place monetizing oh. your hobby? Oh, man. Oh, between live your life or watch your back. Watch your back, probably. <laughs> Mine's a solid watch your back. Yeah. Bordering on the get the heck yeah. out. <laughs> Definitely not live your life. <laughs> yeah, not. that's funny. Does that mean mean I'm more optimistic? Because I'm like, live so. your life. Like this is fine. In but the close to podcast, they have one, like live your life. Boop boop boop. <laughs> like sound effects. So you guys are welcome for that. All right, well, let's move on to word digging, and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Um, I am digging my long arm. <laughs> Long arm, such a sweetheart. My long arm. I still have yet to name the thing, but I bought it last September, um, and I love it. My husband's convinced that the machine me- uh, mechanic just mechanics needed a break in time, quote break in time, and that we've hit the threshold of it's broken in. Yeah. So it's stitched out so many quilts in the last couple of weeks so beautifully and without any problems, which is always so great. So yeah, it's like a fast forward relationship. Like yeah. You guys were in that newlywed phase together yes. and you loved it. And then, like, and then I hated it. Hated it. Cause it like, was like, but you leave too. the socks on the floor and you don't actually clean what it up. Heck? What the Close heck? the cabinet door. <laughs> yeah. oh, gosh. Don't just grab the peanut butter and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. So what are you digging? I'm digging the presidential podcast. I've listened to it three times through and I, I think I have committed to re-listening before like a presidential election we'll add it to the show notes it's really good perspective um like really unbiased it's really lighthearted. um particularly like all of the older like presidents and like not necessarily like the newer um generation of presidents but the older ones specifically are like you learn so much about just this country and issues that are important and like where things started and began and what era and at the end of each episode she asks an expert on that 
president. Like, yeah. if I was going on a blind date with this president oh, cool. and like you were setting me up, what would you warn me about this person? And it's like George Washington's like super charming. Like you'll oh. love him. You'll have a great time. He might be interested in how wealthy you are. <laughs> That's cool. Like, like modernized a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So it's like cool to hear about them from that modern perspective. Yeah. Like, where they would fit in like a dating scene. That's really cool. <laughs> Okay, I'm yeah, gonna listen to that one. Add it to the list. <laughs> so, and it goes, it's fun to binge. So. Okay, cool. All right. All right, guys, that's our episodes. Our episodes, all of them. <laughs> we'll we're be done. We're done. No more podcasts. <laughs> no, we'll be this back in two weeks. <laughs> oh, we're coming back. No, we fought. We're not This is it. <laughs> this is us. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna grovel because we'll, we'll be back. Okay. She'll, she'll be back. <laughs> You can find us on Instagram at the Grateful Thread Podcast or myself at Messy Quilts. And you can find me, Ashlyn, at Urban Dwell Studio. Don't forget to check out that merch and to share what you're doing while you listen on Instagram. The Grateful Thread Podcast is created, hosted, and produced by Ashlyn Downs and Lacey Messerly. Our sound engineer is Nicholas Downs. Don't forget that if you're digging this podcast, you can help us reach our rating goal. And you can take a quick moment to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to give us a five star after that one. Really (laughs) mad at us after telling them that their stuff is worth money. (laughs) We'll see how today goes. Here's, Here's what you can do. If you didn't like that, just... Say nothing. Just say nothing. Just do anything. <laughs> you can write us a letter, crumple it up, and throw it in the trash. <laughs> Bye, threadheads. The views expressed on this podcast, as well as all episodes of the Great Thread Podcast, are solely host opinions. Our content should not be taken as indisputable and is for entertainment purposes. Thank you.